This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Holy cow, what a great, great day because it's Friday. It's Friday, Ben. Yes, the day we've been waiting for all week long. I can hardly wait for this weekend because I am going to not talk. So, family beware. My wife said, do you want to go to the homecoming high school game in our neighborhood today? Which I would normally never miss a homecoming game. (laughs) I'm missing it today. I said, I don't know. I'm kind of, you know, I feel like my lungs are turned inside out. So this weekend is the day of rest, the week of rest, the weekend of rest. What are you doing this weekend, Ben? Go ahead. Use your mouth. Um... I'm helping a friend construct IKEA furniture. Okay, so that'll take a month. Yes. Um, and then I'm going longboarding with a friend on Saturday. Are you a longboarder? That's yes. great. How come I've never seen this? I've brought it to work before. You've never brought it inside? You can ask Terry. Have you? Yeah. Um, that was We had an interesting moment in my office yesterday oh. with uh, intern... Kimberly. Yeah. And Ben. She's she was like putting the hard court full court press on you. Yeah, I I didn't know what to do. I was sweating and That was weird. Mm-hmm. She likes you. <sighs> Terry missed that. Uh Kenya, what's her name? Kaylee. She's warm for your form. Hey, she's not the only one. Uh, I think she actually is. Oh, okay. She, yeah, I think she actually is. Um, today, by the way, uh, September 25th, we're going to get the day right, and it's One Hit Wonder Day. One Hit Wonder. Throughout the day, we're going to be playing some One Hit Wonders for you. This, uh, this, you know, this is the day of One Hit Wonders. There's just all of these little one-off songs that you you don't want to you don't want to forget any of these. Ben's got an entire list of one-hit wonders. Ben, why don't you play one of them for us? One, two, three, four, five. Everybody mm. in the car, so come on, let's ride. This is such a good song. All you got to do is hit one song. Mm. Lou Vega's Mambo Number 5. A one-hit wonder. Mm. This has just got such a good beat. We're bringing up music because today we're going to be talking about music. Ryan Innes is in the studio, uh, or is actually going to be online with us today. He is uh, he is a, a musician. He was on The Voice, and he happens to have put together a song that will be um, on that, that movie we've been talking about, Just Let Go. And uh, I, I saw him there, and we, we have a chance to interview him, and I want to talk to him about the voice, what's it like to be on a show like that? How does it impact your, your career? And what do you do when all, your, all you got in life to make your living on, to make everything happen, is your music? That's got to create a ton of pressure. You know, Ben, you've got a lot of stuff going for you. You got the ladies like you. 
you, you're smart. You're going to be an engineer. You speak German. And the music. You speak German and you've got the girls. Hey. You've got a lot going for you. I am just a man, Matt. Well, I am just a man. Yeah. You are just a man. And you're going to be pumping some uh, one-hit wonders all day long, right? You're going to be giving us one every in and out of every segment. We're going to make you work today, Ben. Also, World Dream Day. So if you've ever had a dream, today's the day to, uh, to push that out there. What is the deal with Volkswagen? They have messed it up. We, uh, it's sad because I've, I've been looking at cars, and one of the cars I was looking at was a Volkswagen. And one of the, the, one of the cars was the Volkswagen that broke all the rules. Apparently, they've been lying about their, um, their uh, what's it called? Emissions testing. Their emissions testing. It's German. Well, yes. It's the Germans, Ben. But the the bad... Farfignugen. Do you know what far, Farfignugen means? I have no idea. How do you say it in German? Farfignugen. Right. What? Um, but Volkswagen. Pardon? Volkswagen. You mean you mean Volkswagen? Volkswagen. Okay. They they own Audi, Porsche. Yes. yes. And then Volkswagen. And then a couple of other car companies. So this affects more than just the Beetle. This this affects all of German automobile manufacturing. Yes. It's huge. 500,000 cars, I think, were on the road with emissions that weren't up to par. Well, yeah. and In the U.S., I think. 11 million were rigged with this software. <clears throat> That's messed up. It's messed up. They're in trouble. And I'm not buying a Volkswagen now. But I wanted to. What do you do? Kathy had just bought a Volkswagen. <sighs> What's happening to this country? What's happening to this country? Also, National Comic Book Day and Hug a Vegetarian Day. Which, you know what? It seems that seems offensive. Because now all of a sudden, you know, you're just some vegetarian going to work, and the next thing you know, you got like three people hugging you. Just a piece of lettuce. You just feel like a piece of meat with everybody hugging you. Oh, yeah, you're a vegetarian, a piece of lettuce. That's so sad. So sad. Uh, anyway, we got a great show for you today. Also, the, the Pope in New York City. That is, I'm sure, creating some serious uh, delays for traffic around New York City. He'll be speaking at the UN this morning, and he, um, again, yesterday, had a great delivery, a great address to the Senate, to joint um, joint chambers, both the Senate and the Congress, sat them all down, had some Supreme Court justices there, kind of took them to task a little bit, like, I mean, gently, the, the way the, the Pope does. And then they invite him to lunch. Your Excellency, would you like to come to, to Chili's with the senators? And he said, no, I'd rather go hang out with the homeless. That is so cool. And then he went and blessed the Catholic Charities building and, and spent time with the homeless. Again, and then popped in his Fiat and drove around town. See, right now, it's good to be an Italian car manufacturer, not a German car manufacturer. Right? I don't want to start a backlash, but you can't lie to people at that level. And you got to get the Pope to drive in your car. If you get the Pope in your car, bada boom, bada bing, you're going to sell a lot of Fiats. In fact, I am pretty sure I saw the Pope Mobile 
driving around town in Provo yesterday. You know, the Pope Mobile is a Mercedes, which is a German car. No, I'm talking about no. The Pope Mobile in the United States is a Jeep. Oh, yeah. They always, I think they always make it. They're really big into driving the car from the country and flying the plane from the country. That's interesting. Did you notice that? No. American Airlines is flying the Pope to New York. How cool would that be? They say it's just a regular plane. Pope just sits in first class on a regular plane. What if you were the one that sat next to the Pope? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'd you know I'd keep my shoes on for sure because on the plane I usually take my shoes off. That unholy stench. <laughs> yeah, the, the call sign for the airplane is Shepherd One. How honestly cool is that? Now that airplane, can you imagine? You fly on American Airlines next week. You could be flying on the plane. In the seat the Pope sat in. Did you see that he he has his little cap that he wears and people bring caps? And if if you're standing there and you have a cap, he will take his cap off and put your cap on his head. And if it fits, he'll keep it and he'll give you his cap. Is that amazing? Could you imagine getting a cap from the Pope? If it doesn't fit, He'll say, sorry, it's too big. And, but he, he has worn it and he'll hand it back to you. And then you can put it on eBay for $900. Probably more, actually. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah. Pretty cool. We ought to start doing some cap stuff. I wonder if I wore a cap if anybody would care. Pretty sure not. I bet if you wore a cap, Kimberly would care. Yeah, I, I should try tomorrow. Yeah. Or Don't Monday. worry about it. Don't worry about it. But uh, today's the day. It's Friday. We got Ryan Innes coming up. We'll be talking about, uh, you know, being a musician, being on The Voice, and putting together some uh, incredible music for this new uh, release. Remember, we're pushing the big day of forgiveness, which is on Monday, twenty uh, September twenty eighth. It's a chance for you to go get some closure and forgiveness in your life on something big, something that's happened, something that's hurt you over the past. So. Get ready for it. This is the weekend. We'll be talking with Ryan Innes about that uh, in just a few minutes. But before we do any of that, let's get to the Week in Review with Kathy Aiken. Good morning, everyone. Pope Francis is scheduled to speak at the U.N. today. The pontiff flew into New York last night for evening prayers at St. Patrick's Cathedral. This coming after his speech yesterday on Capitol Hill, the first ever religious leader to speak to a joint session of Congress. Now is the time for courageous action and strategies. I'm at implementing a culture of care and an integrated approach to combating poverty. The Pope talked about using the golden rule when treating refugees and immigrants. He also urged legislators to use laws to protect human life and those at risk. He called for a united response of hope and healing for a world racked by violence. He also talked about the family, climate change, and religious freedom. According to a new Fox News poll, Donald Trump still leads the GOP. He comes in at 26 percent, followed by Ben Carson at 18 percent. Carly Fiorina and Marco Rubio are tied at 9%. Hillary Clinton is still the Democratic frontrunner with 44%. That's a new low for her, down 5% since last month. Bernie Sanders is at 30%, and Vice President Joe Biden, who has still not announced whether or not he's running, comes in at 18%. First, it was former Texas Governor Rick Perry bowing out of the GOP race. Then Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker followed by announcing he's also stepping down. I will suspend my campaign immediately. 
I encourage other Republican presidential candidates to consider doing the same so that the voters can focus on a limited number of candidates who can offer a positive, conservative alternative to the current frontrunner. Walker said the debate needs to be focused on the optimistic view of America and not on personal attacks. After months of being silent, Hillary Clinton finally shared her stance on the Keystone XL pipeline. And I think it is imperative that we look at the Keystone pipeline as what I believe it is, a distraction from the important work we have to do to combat climate change and, unfortunately, from my perspective, one that interferes with our ability to move forward to deal with all the other issues. Therefore, I oppose it. Speaking of Clinton, the FBI has reportedly recovered personal and work-related emails from her private server she thought had been deleted. The FBI is trying to figure out how many classified emails are on that server and how they got there. The agency is concerned about whether Clinton's private email server exposed any classified information, and if so, the extent of the exposure. Volkswagen CEO Martin Winterkorn is stepping down amid the German automaker's emissions scandal. Volkswagen admitted to using software to fake emissions testing on 11 million diesel vehicles in the U.S., and yesterday it was announced it also affects cars in Europe. Wintercorn said he takes personal responsibility but denies any wrongdoing on his part. Nine years ago, 360 pilgrims were killed in a stampede near Mecca. Yesterday, Saudi Arabian authorities said more than 700 people died and over 850 injured during the Hajj pilgrimage that began Tuesday. The stampede took place approximately three miles east of Mecca. A 21-year-old man has been formally charged with 16 felonies in connection with several freeway shootings in Phoenix. Leslie Allen Merritt is the suspect and is being held on $1 million bond. Viola Davis made history when she became the first black woman to win an Emmy for Best Actress in a Drama. Davis was awarded the Emmy for her role in How to Get Away with Murder. And Yogi Berra, the former Hall of Fame catcher for the New York Yankees, died Tuesday night at the age of 90. Berra won 10 World Series titles with the Yankees and was named MVP three times. He also served in World War II in the Navy. Berra was famous for such quotes as, It ain't over till it's over, and it's deja vu all over again. With the Weekend Review, I'm Kathy Aiken. Thank you, Kathy. And man, what a week it has been. Um, wow, we... We're wrapping it up. It's Friday, thank heavens. And what a better way to do it than with Ryan Innes. In a few minutes, we're going to come back um, with a a singer-musician, Ryan Innes, who's been on The Voice. And uh, he's put together some original music for this movie we've been talking about all week, Just Let Go, which is the story about uh, Chris Williams, whose wife and pregnant wife died in a car accident along with two of his children and in the movie, they teach us how to let go. In a minute, we'll be talking with Ryan Innes and how he and how he made up a song about uh, that painful moment, and also just about life as a musician and life in the reality world of a of a show like The Voice. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back after the break. Lost in the past 
But I receive the sweetest grace in the face of great mistakes. Who am I to deny the same? Where do I draw the line between your sins and mine? And where does the hammer fall in justice for us all? Can anybody in the wrong? Oh, man. Ryan Innes. Uh, let's welcome Ryan Innes to the show. Ryan, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you for having me. Holy cow, your voice. <laughs> it's just like butter. That's beautiful. Oh, you are getting the early morning sexy voice right now. <laughs> Am I, is, that, is that what's coming in now, Ryan? Boy, that's yeah. beautiful. And you know, it, it, as we've interviewed a lot of the guys, and I've met with Chris a couple times over the last week, about this story, it's there's just there's something sacred about the whole thing. Did you feel that when you were working on it? Um, yeah, my buddy and I we we wrote the song together, and you know we probably got together three or four times to finish the song. And every time that we would walk away from it, something new would happen with the song that felt kind of wow, that was really not really us. It felt hmm. like at times there's there's lyrics and things that would just kind of pop pop up, and then the end result felt like something that, you know what, this song is just so dialed into this movie and it really just seems to, to kind of be bringing to life the things that need to be said here. And, and we definitely felt like there was, you know, help with that. Yeah. In fact, and I know they love it. I know the producers love it. it and, and just, I think some of it is just the richness of your voice, but how do you go about making up a song? Like, when you were making this song up, was it? Were you specifically thinking about Chris Williams and his situation, or do you do you have to kind of channel it through your life? Well, we we got a chance to watch the movie, the edits that they had up to that point. So we did. We we were informed by what the story was, the the you know the perspectives that they were taking. Um, but I think both Jared and I were we're definitely trying to understand it from our side of things. And the, the line that came about was, you know, where do I draw the line between your sins and mine? Mm. And that, that just kind of, I think when that line came out at what point and however it came about, again, we had help with it. Um, it just, it really did resonate with, with us at, in our own experiences in our own ways. Cause I, I really think that the kind of blanket statements, just everybody, not just Chris and, and his, yeah. his experience. Which is why this whole day of forgiveness is a cool idea because, you know, you're, you're thinking of where do I draw the line between your sins and mine? Because if, if I can't forgive, if I end up carrying all this venom because somebody hurt me or somebody cheated me out of something, then it does become kind of my sin. When, when you, did you feel uh, your own kind of sense of forgiveness for, your, for past ills or things that have happened to you? Well, it, it definitely just kind of made me, I think, have like a heart check for a moment and and realize, you know, when I needed forgiveness and when I needed to forgive uh, in both contexts. And um, it, it didn't it didn't really make sense that I couldn't do it um, for for this thing and not for that thing and not for that person and, and for not for that person. And it just didn't it, it was just really kind of bringing those forth those things to the forefront for me to understand. Yeah. This is, this is an entire universal human thing that, that we all need to take a look at in a little bit closer detail. What, um, what has your life been like 
since The Voice. I mean, that's a big deal. You get thrown into that world, and then and you're working with Usher, which had to have been shocking. I mean, I'm assuming yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, so since then, what's what's been going on with you? Um, well, because of the exposure from The Voice, I've been in, able to be a full time musician, mm. and I've had enough opportunities with you know, different gigs and different, you know, things like this with this movie and stuff I've done with Desert Book and some some uh, opportunities with the management company and with a, a licensing and sync company. There, there's These things have come about from the exposure and then from working after that. So I, I've, it's changed my life. Um, I was working at Red Robin before I, right, not right before I came on the show, but I was, uh, you know, maybe a couple years out of that, and so this has just kind of again been another step in the uh, the career. And were you a server at Red Robin? I was server at Red Robin in Provo. Yep. You know what? They need you to do the new jingle, Red Robin. <laughs> Ryan, I bet you could put yeah. some together. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah, well, For... yeah. Let's talk to some people. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Let's get some. Let's get a contract here. Hey, um, one of the cool things I thought that was really interesting about your background and your bio is um, you, if you weren't doing this and working at Red Robin, you'd probably be in med school right now. Well, hopefully at this point I would have graduated. Yeah, that's true, huh? Either been, been in residency or or so, <clears throat> something after that. But, yeah, that was my... You wanted to be a pediatrician. Direction. Yeah. What... Uh, do you sense, because, I mean, obviously, if you want to be a pediatrician, you want to care, you want to serve for people, you want to take care of people. Do you sense you're able to still do that in the in the world of making music? Is that still being accomplished in your heart? And I guess is this, this movie may be one way to do that. Um, I, I'd like to think so. Um, I, it's obviously not as uh, right in front of my face. I'm not seeing it as clearly as maybe stitching someone up, but I'd like to think that music does have its healing properties and opportunities, and, and I hope that some of the things I've done have been able to do that. So, um, and, and in the future, that's definitely a, a hope as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it's a, that's, that's funny because you never know where life's going to take you, do you? And you just do what you can do. You follow your dreams and see where it takes you. Uh, we're going to take a break. We're speaking with Ryan Innes, um, who wrote uh, a song for the movie that's out now. Just It's actually going to be out Monday called Just Let Go. And um, the movie, again, about uh, forgiving and letting go. And here's uh, Ryan Innes with his beautiful voice. We'll take a break. We'll come back. More after the break. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. 
That is the voice of Ryan Innes, singer-songwriter, who's on The Voice, few, uh, season four of The Voice, and uh, now has put together a song, Rise and Fall, for the movie Just Let Go, that'll be released on Monday, September 28th. It's really a song about forgiveness, and uh, I'm telling you, it's a hard industry to uh, to have to make up music, right? And then all of a sudden, you got to hit the target when you're hired to make a song for a movie. You got to nail it. And we're going to talk uh, to Ryan about this difficult process. Ryan, welcome back to the show, my friend. Thank you for having me. Would you say it's easier, Ryan? Is like when you go on with the producers of Just Let Go, and they tell you what they want. For the song, do you feel as a, as a music maker, is it hard to to go make a song up for someone else versus you just, you know, having one a song come to you where you don't have the pressure for, you know, having to hit parameters or topics? Which is easier for you? Um, honestly, it's easier to kind of have parameters. Oh, is it? Um, yeah. When I've had, you know, been when I'm writing my own stuff, and I'm kind of pulling from whatever I want to write for. I have infinite options. <laughs> yeah. And when you have infinite options, it <laughs> makes it a little harder to choose sometimes. Um, so when someone comes to you and says, "This is what we're going for, and this is the direction we need to to kind of land in," then it uh, it makes it a little bit easier to put the blinders on and, and hit that target. Yeah. No, I guess I could see that because huh? yeah, you're. You're everywhere, and you can go every everywhere, and everything could be a part of this song. But then, when they sit you down and they kind of show you the movie, it, I guess it narrows your focus and tightens your your opportunity, really. Yeah, it was. Um, they didn't really give us a specific thing to write about, but they showed us the movie. They showed us, you know, the emotion of these actors and and the story they're trying to tell. And so, Jared and I, I think again, kind of came back to what is really kind of the, the common thread through all of this. And obviously it's forgiveness, but what is the what is the way to speak of that that feels authentic and unique for this situation? And again, it took us three or four sessions to kind of nail it down. Um, but that direction was, was just kind of lined out for us just enough to know that we need to be in that vein. Hmm. Do you, um, when, like, when you are done... And you've put the song, and and you've I guess you have to master it, and you have to lay it down and and get it exactly the way you want it. When you're done and you hand it over, as a professional musician, that's a it's got to be a very vulnerable moment. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like that to me is naked. Yeah, I, I I've written a book and I felt the same way, and I'm like, oh boy, what 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 do you go through when you hand the song over? And you feel pretty good about it. What does that feel like? Well, um, in this instance, it was a little less vulnerable, only because, again, they were giving us something to write about. Um, we did have some edits that they came back to for that they needed to have done, which was, again, we were, we were kind of hands-off in terms of having any kind of personal attachment to this song because... Yeah. We knew it wasn't going to be for our album or for our specific artistry. It was going to be for this movie. And our only goal was to make it 
make sure it was the right thing for this. Yeah. Um, so when someone else comes back to us that, you know, approached us initially and says, we're almost there. There's a couple little things. I think both Jarrett and I were, were unattached to that and there was no ego involved and we really just wanted to make it work for, for this specific moment. So That's cool. I know what you're talking about when you're, you're letting your babies go, yeah. it's your song or your book. <laughs> yeah. But in this instance, we were, uh, didn't. We were unattached to that. And yeah. That's we kind of nice too. Hit that mark. Yeah. Is it, um, because you've, you've written a lot of songs and I mean, I guess too, that's the thing about music is you just have to get a following really. And once people have heard and felt your vibe and, and, and got close to you through your music, um, then it's really just between you and your people. Yeah. And you know, your people are going to be a little more forgiving. Yeah. Um, and they're also going to be a little more critical all at the same time. It's, it's, it's a double-sided coin with, with that situation. But you can't really, at the end of the day, as, as an artist, it's easy to get wrapped up in how are they going to you know, react to this and what are people going to think? And that entire mindset can, can kind of cripple you at times. So when you come back to it and realize, do you love this song? How does this make you feel? Um, You've you got to gut your check yourself with your own intuition of, of being an artist and then from there it is you know you know oddly enough letting it go yeah isn't that true are you, are you big on youtube i mean that's one of the things i see you can go to your you can go to one of your songs on youtube and someone will say hey i think your preamp was set too high and you're like <laughs> oh jeez shut up dork oh uh, yeah yeah it's really you take that stuff with a grain of salt yeah you know, there's guys that just want to comment and, <laughs> and maybe just want to even be heard for a second and they choose to say something like that yeah just you know good job you know so sure that's, that's, that's awesome happens, but again gotta let it roll see i have my son is did a song on the album too but my we didn't make up the song he they made up the song and handed him the song to go perform and so it's different i mean oh, okay to see your side of this it's it's really powerful i think because you um I don't know, you just see the masterful work of the lines. And that line, like you mentioned earlier, where do I draw the line between your sins and mine? I mean, really, that ends up becoming the whole point. Um, and and yeah. the right line, at the, it just, there's nothing better than that, is there? When, when finally the line comes into your head. Do, do you believe in that whole idea that you have to, the song has to come to you instead of you going to make up the song? I think that those are the better songs when you are, as you know, I, I work with, a, with an artist coach and she says, when you are the faucet and you remember that you're the faucet and not the water, then this process is a lot easier. Mm. That's so, yeah, true. Then you the song, funnel it, you channel song, it. Yeah. The song that comes to you or that you allow to come to you, that you kind of surrender having to make things up because you're not really doing that you're just discovering what already exists then the process becomes less uh again egotistical and and, and more about what is trying to be presented here that i'm I'm just trying to channel Hmm. there's such a parallel to uh chris williams um and the movie because he feels the same way he doesn't the the concept of forgiveness isn't his it just came through him and 
He just has to kind of get out of the way and and try to to get the message out. This movie is going to have a really strange release in that they're releasing it to 500 theaters around the country on Monday, September 28th. And then depending on demand, they'll open it up into other other markets. But they're going to be having a launch, I guess, um, the premiere. And you're going to be singing your song at the premiere. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. We, uh, we've we've always kind of been open to whatever they needed to have happen with uh, this particular song in the movie. And I think the music video that they've done, that wasn't something they initially wanted to do, but once the song was written, I think it made sense for them to want to do that. And now the premiere, they weren't planning on doing a live thing, but then all of a sudden it, it made sense for this to be something they did there at the end of the film. So I... Uh, yeah, we're we're doing that on Monday, and some of the uh, producers and uh, uh, people that were helping with the entire record are going to be playing on it as well. And yeah, it'll be a, a really cool moment. And the people that are at the theaters will then be able to watch you perform live the song, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. That is a it's a really cool. Um, I think a great way to launch it because they wanted it more than just a movie launch. They wanted it to be a catalyst for forgiveness around the country. Um, Again, people can go to the website, justletgomovie.com, enter in your zip code, and it will tell you where the movie is going to be playing in your area. And then you can sit down, watch the movie, and then after you'll have kind of a panel of experts from Stanford and all over the country, the producers will be there, and then Ryan Innes will sing – Basically, I guess, seeing everybody out. Uh, Well, Ryan, we appreciate you and uh, your great spirit on this and uh, wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan. We're going to play you out as we uh, go to break. More um, from Ryan Innes and the, the song Rise and Fall from the movie Just Let Go. It's right, always worth the fight. Falling in love is just a call. When you walk the line, welcome back, friends. To the Matt Townsend Show. You know, one of the things I've been spending a lot of time thinking about recently is um, just this idea about community, right? There's, There's so many different things going on in this world that makes us wonder if we're all on the same team or not. And I found a really powerful quote that Einstein once said, and and it actually works a lot with this whole idea of letting go. But uh, Einstein has a quote about humanity, basically, that says, Our task as humans must be to free ourselves from this prison, you know, where humans are mad at humans, by widening our circle of compassion. So if we want to get out of the rut— and we want to create a sense of community around us, we have to widen our circle of compassion. 
which I think is what you see happening and why it is so amazing to me to listen to the news and the newscasters and to see uh, the entire Senate and Congress mesmerized by a holy man wearing white. They are mesmerized back east, and they should be. But what the Pope is doing, I think, that is so in, so liberating and so uh, you know empowering and freeing is he's widening our circle of compassion. Back in D.C., it's Republicans against Democrats. It's liberals against conservatives. It's progressives against country bumpkins. Which, the minute you have that paradigm, you have a tiny, narrow circle of compassion. You can't even think compassionately about another. And then the Pope comes and just widens our circle of compassion. But that very same thing, that very same principle has to happen all the time. It can't, we can't just have a spiritual leader come around and then we all of a sudden have compassion. We need to have it all the time. So how do we do that? Well, to me, that, by the way, that spirit of compassion, you have it in your home, right? I mean, you, you feel bad for your kids when they're not succeeding. You feel – you give your kids the benefit of the doubt. I mean, you're much more open and compassionate, but we don't have it necessarily outside of the walls of our home. So one of the things I think we could focus on is just if you want to get more involved in your community, if you want to make your neighborhood a real home for you, then one thing we could do is you got to get your head in the game and you got to be able to let your head see all of the possibilities. How many times in your neighborhood, in your city, in your state, have you not even known why your state is so great? How many times has, have you had a visitor come to visit you and they go do five things in your community that you've never done before? They do go on hikes you haven't been on. They attend museums you've never even gone to. You've been in the city for 10 years. I guess one way to get more involved in your community and to widen your circle of compassion is find out what your community has to offer. What are the top 10 things going on in your neighborhood? For example, today, homecoming for my high school. So that's just basically my little town, my little suburb. But there's going to be a ton of people there. And if I go and get involved, I bet you I'll be connected to my community. Or I could just sit there and be mad that, you know, the community does this and the community does that. What are the possibilities if you got more involved in your government? Instead of just complaining about what's going on in D.C., what if you found a candidate that you really believed in, got involved, and actually volunteered? Man, what would that be like? Talk to the people around you. Find out the people in your neighborhood that seem like they're more into the neighborhood or they're more into the community. Catch that spirit. Another thing we need to do is open our hearts to others. So many of us are in our cliques. We're in our groups. We've already identified ourselves. You're either, you know, you're – and by the way, we do it to everyone, right? Hispanic, African-American – what are you? You don't have to be identified just as your ethnicity. You don't have to be identified as your religion. 
could you actually open your heart up enough to get in there and enjoy the fact that somebody that is not of your faith is there and can still be a great, amazing man? I don't know if you're noticing, but we talk. I'm talking a lot about the Pope on this show. And just so you know, we're not Catholic. This is BYU. We are Mormons. And I have an incredible love for the Pope because he's a good guy and he's doing good things. And he lights up when he sees kids. And I don't know if you've watched the video. He's sitting there and he just loves to serve these the homeless. He loves to serve and and kiss the baby. He loves to take care of the weak and the the disenfranchised. That's not a religious thing. Everyone on earth could have that, right? So we got to learn to open our hearts to others. And not just see everybody as a label and not just see everybody as a category. And it's hard because we have so many categories, right? Black lives matter. LGBT. White lives matter. Everybody's got an argument. Everybody's an advocate and nobody's sitting there having compassion for any of the other conversations. And I can have compassion for a need or a plight of somebody and still have my own view. Humans are capable of that. And I think all of us need to open our hearts to others. You can't just let, I mean, the word community, really, if you think about it, comes from the words common and commune and unity. We've got to have commonalities, and we all do. And again, I've said it a million times on the show, all we need is another 9-11, and we'll all get together again. We'll all be best friends, which is sad. We could become united in what we have in common. And I think, again, that's what a visit from the Pope creates. Last but not least, if you want to really connect to your community and get more involved, offer a hand of service. Get your head in the game for all the possibilities Open your heart to others and serve. Extend your hand and start serving. Take whatever strengths you've got and bring them to your community. If you're a leader, if you're an organizer, get involved. You know, if you're a football coach, coach. If you're, you know, if if you can read, go read to the kids at school. Just get involved and serve and serve. And when you do that, you're, you're serving people, right? You're not just serving things. You're serving humans. Take your skills, take your tools, go to the community offerings, go to the plays that are offered in your community, support the musical performances, go to the parades, celebrate with your people around you, open your heart up. I'm telling you, we're one disaster away from just totally realizing how incredibly needy we all are for each other. Let's carry that spirit on, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll come back next hour. More ideas, more tools to help you find the good in the world. Take care. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. This is the show where we give you and yours the tools you need 
to grow a healthier, happier life, to help you with uh, your human project needs, right? Every one of us on this great big ball of mud we call Mother Earth, we have a human project. We have to create humans that are healthy and strong and develop, and that's you. It's not even just your kids. you got to take care of yourself. This is the show where we give you the tools, the information you need to do that. Big day uh, today. John Boehner, Speaker of the House, John Boehner, says he will resign from Congress in a month. Holy cow. What did the Pope say to him? That is a very, very big announcement. Remember, Mr. Boehner is third in line for the presidency. Holy cow. And he's done. He says at the end of October, he's walking away, not just from his seat as Speaker of the House, but he's done being a congressman. What? Now, some, you know, say it's because of intense pressure he's been having from conservatives in his party. But I don't know. I mean, man, he was having a hard time yesterday as the Pope was speaking. He's he's already, he's moved to tears quite a bit. And um, yesterday there were a lot of tears, but he's made the announcement, 65-year-old. John Boehner, that's a really weird deal. You finally make it to this place of power and you're done. And that's pretty much all he said. He didn't, uh, and there is going to be a big battle. There already is, you know, about defunding Planned Parenthood and the possibility of shutting down the shutting down the government because of it. So maybe some of this is so he doesn't have to deal with that. I'd walk away from that. No, I don't want to go there. We're going to shut down government. Anyway, incredible, incredible news. And... Um, Maybe that is because today is World Dream Day. Maybe he's got another dream we don't know about. Maybe he's starting a band with Ryan Innes, our guest from the last uh, hour of the Matt Townsend Show. Today also is National Comic Book Day and One Hit Wonder Day. It's also Hug a Vegetarian Day. Three great days to to celebrate um, today. A little bit uh, later in just a few minutes, actually, Heather Johnson will be here. Hadge, we call her. She um, is you know, our great contributor on the topic of active families and creating more active families, healthy families. She'll be uh, joining us a little bit later. We'll be talking about, I think, the power of women and um, getting into some of the the topic around probably moms becoming stronger, healthier. Uh, also, a funny story out of Southwest England the police there in southwest England have had to apologize for disturbing the public with their sirens simply to settle a debate. So we're going to carry on the debate right here. Listen to this sound, and I want you to tell me, is this sound making the sound of a nina or a woo-woo? That was the debate that uh, ensued with um, a bunch of kids at a local elementary school in southwest England. And uh, the the kids really had an issue. One of the kids brought up the question about whether the sirens go nina or woo-woo, and the debate ensued, and the only way they could stop it was to play their sirens. But I guess everyone in the community was worried that something was going on over at the school. 
I think it's a woo woo. Let's play it again, and let's let's while it's playing, why don't you show me how it sounds like woo woo? And I just think this is a fascinating activity. Okay, so go ahead. See the inflection in the yeah. So so kind of, so kind of sing woo woo with it. A little bit. I, I'm singing in my head. Woo woo woo. No, it's a nee na nee na. We need to get like a British police officer on the show. Okay. Hello. We need a Bobby. Yeah. Actually, um, no, we don't because the answer is Nina. No. No. Well, you, the rest of you out there, you be. The I've judge. lived in England. I... The police are the police are going to be looking into it. Another really interesting suggestion from the kids at the school is that we should have police rhinos. You know, they have police dogs. And you need a police rhino. Excellent. It's an excellent idea. Police rhinos, think about it. They're some of the most dangerous animals on earth. And if you could just train a rhino. Kind of reminds me of Jurassic Park when they wanted to train the velociraptors yeah. to, for military things. Right. I think I think it's a good idea. I think Yeah. And weaponize them. Yeah. I mean, you could weaponize the horn of a rhino. Just like install a gun in the horn. The weird thing about the rhino, though, it's a big animal. You know, like a lot of times cops can just show up in a car and let the dog out. And then bada boom, bada bing, you got yourself a criminal. You can't just pull up and open your back door and let a rhino out. Or you could just ride the rhino. Yeah. Have you ever ridden a rhino? No. It ain't easy. Have you? Yeah, twice. Okay. Riding them, that riding's the easy part. The hard part's catching them. <laughs> catching them and putting that saddle on them. Boy, do those things hate to be saddled. Multiple people died, right? Yeah. Many people died trying to saddle that rhino. Um, anyway, crazy, uh, crazy stuff. Again, that's kind of sad about uh, Boehner. Whatever, anytime you see somebody step down, that's, that's a big deal. You hope nothing's going on at home. That's, that's tragic. One thing we maybe ought to do to kind of make sure life is safe and okay, Kanye West again affirmed that during the VMA Awards that he's going to be running for president in 2012, which uh, nothing wrong with that. And yes, as you probably could have guessed by this moment, I have decided in 2020 to run for president. 2020, I meant. Kanye, folks, running for president in 2020. Rest assured, the world is going to be safer with rhinos and Kanye. They basically asked, uh, he was asked by Vanity Fair, what should we expect from a West presidency? And his answer, lots of art and a focus on sneakers. Profound. He says, I have to stay creative. The whole point is to have someone in office that's creative, that's, a raise, uh, that's around amazing creatives. This is my theory. I think the world can be helped through design. So it's very important that I stay around creative, forward thinkers. It's very important that I continue to design to be in practice of trying to make the best decisions possible. I hate politics. I'm not a politician at all. I care about the truth and I just care about human beings. I just want everyone to win. That's all I can say. And I think we can. 
I'm sure it'd sound better, like, if he actually said it. Yeah. But I didn't understand it. Well, I, th- I think I just read what he said. And I think that's the point. Yeah. There's not a lot to understand there. Okay. But he does, uh, speaking of fashion, your future president has some profound wisdom to bless you with on the subject of sweatshirts. Here's some more wisdom. Listen up. This is, this is your future president, Ben. Sweatshirts are bleeping, that's edited, important, period. That might sound like the funniest quote ever, period. How can you say all this stuff about running for president in 2020 and then say sweatshirts are important? But they are. Just mark my words. Mark my words like Mark Twain. Wow, that was like a song. And then I I can just imagine, right then he just dropped the mic, walked out. Sweatshirts are bleeping important. Mark my words like Mark Twain. Hmm. Maybe ISIS is going to, like, smuggle nuclear bombs in with their sweatshirts. No. I think I don't think so. I think what it is is he's trying to start a new sweatshirt line. And he's going to use his presidency. That's how he's going to raise money. <laughs> luxury the loungewear. Presidential luxury. <laughs> anyway... Folks, this is, this is what happens when you don't pay attention to what's going on in the kitchen. It just gets out of your hands. Uh, we're going to take a break, my friends. Um, but, oh, actually, first we've got to get to our headlines. We like to always do a week in review with Kathy Aiken. Francis is scheduled to speak at the U.N. today. The pontiff flew into New York last night for evening prayers at St. Patrick's Cathedral. This coming after his speech yesterday on Capitol Hill, the first ever religious leader to speak to a joint session of Congress. Now is the time for courageous action and strategies. I'm at implementing a culture of care and an integrated approach Combating poverty. The Pope talked about using the golden rule when treating refugees and immigrants. He also urged legislators to use laws to protect human life and those at risk. He called for a united response of hope and healing for a world racked by violence. He also talked about the family, climate change, and religious freedom. According to a new Fox News poll, Donald Trump still leads the GOP. He comes in at 26 percent, followed by Ben Carson at 18 percent. Carly Fiorina and Marco Rubio are tied at 9 percent. Hillary Clinton is still the Democratic frontrunner with 44 percent. That's a new low for her, down 5 percent since last month. Bernie Sanders is at 30 percent, and Vice President Joe Biden, who has still not announced whether or not he's running, comes in at 18 percent. First, it was former Texas Governor Rick Perry bowing out of the GOP race. Then Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker followed by announcing he's also stepping down. I will suspend my campaign immediately. I encourage other Republican presidential candidates to consider doing the same so that the voters can focus on a limited number of candidates who can offer a positive conservative alternative to the current frontrunner. Walker said the debate needs to be focused on the optimistic view of America and not on personal attacks. After months of being silent, Hillary Clinton finally shared her stance on the Keystone XL pipeline. I think it is imperative that we look at the Keystone pipeline as what I believe it is, a distraction from the important work we have to do to combat climate change 
and unfortunately, from my perspective, one that interferes with our ability to move forward to deal with all the other issues. Therefore, I oppose it. Speaking of Clinton, the FBI has reportedly recovered personal and work-related emails from her private server she thought had been deleted. The FBI is trying to figure out how many classified emails are on that server and how they got there. The agency is concerned about whether Clinton's private email server exposed any classified information, and if so, the extent of the exposure. Volkswagen CEO Martin Winterkorn is stepping down amid the German automaker's emissions scandal. Volkswagen admitted to using software to fake emissions testing on 11 million diesel vehicles in the U.S., and yesterday it was announced it also affects cars in Europe. Winterkorn said he takes personal responsibility but denies any wrongdoing on his part. Nine years ago, 360 pilgrims were killed in a stampede near Mecca. Yesterday, Saudi Arabian authorities said more than 700 people died and over 850 injured during the Hajj pilgrimage that began Tuesday. The stampede took place approximately three miles east of Mecca. A 21-year-old man has been formally charged with 16 felonies in connection with several freeway shootings in Phoenix. Leslie Allen Merritt is the suspect and is being held on $1 million bond. Viola Davis made history when she became the first black woman to win an Emmy for Best Actress in a Drama. Davis was awarded the Emmy for her role in How to Get Away with Murder. And Yogi Berra, the former Hall of Fame catcher for the New York Yankees, died Tuesday night at the age of 90. Berra won 10 World Series titles with the Yankees and was named MVP three times. He also served in World War II in the Navy. Berra was famous for such quotes as, It ain't over till it's over, and it's deja vu all over again. With the Weekend Review, I'm Kathy Aiken. Thank you, Kathy. Appreciate that. And uh, seriously, quite the week we've had. We're going to take a break. When we come back, one of our great contributors, Heather Johnson, will be here. Hadge, we call her. Heather Ann Johnson. She's here to teach us more about the power of uh, women and families, giving us the skills we need to create stronger, happier, more successful families. Stick with us, folks. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, so excited to have our next guest. She has been gone. She's been on sabbatical from the Matt Townsend Show for two months or more, probably three months. While she was out, um, a stork delivered some goods at her house. Her name is Heather Ann Johnson. She's a professor here at Brigham Young University, an adjunct faculty member who teaches students the principles behind successful families. And, sp- and the importance of family spending time together. She also, by the way, has a website called familyvolley.com and is the author of a book called Family Fun Fridays. Soon we'll be releasing Family Fr- Fun Saturdays through Sundays. Heather Ann Johnson, thanks for being here. Oh, you'll need that microphone thing. It's been a long time, Heather. You don't even remember you need a mic. I'm forgetting everything. Isn't it hard? Is that better? Well, you know what? What we'll do is this. There you go. We'll do that, and then this thing just kind of don't even worry about. It. Don't even worry about that right there. Just put that like that. There you go. I'm out of practice. I know Thanks. it's been a weird time. Like normally, I'm like she's just usually all over it. This yeah. time, you were actually on the floor on your back. That was weird. <laughs> that was kind you're of just weird. like. No, I thought you're... we were doing the show under the table. Yeah, you're gonna need to sit up here. I know. So you had a baby. We did. Yes, baby number six. Oh my heavens! She is our fifth girl in a row. So we have our son. <laughs> he is our oldest, and then we have five sweet little girls after him. <gasps> that I is know. like my family. Just off. Op- 
I have a girl and five boys, right. just yep. the opposite. Do you know what my grandma said when I told her we were having our sixth child? What? She looked at me with disgust. <laughs> and she said, Matthew, get control of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so we walked in. I won't say the exact words that were said, but we walked into a store the other day. My husband and I and our two youngest. Yeah. Because we can leave the other ones kind of at home now. Oh, sure. Yeah, you can you can neglect them. We Yeah, we can totally neglect them. And we walked in and we kind of got the same thing. The man looked at us and he pretty much told us we liked each other too much, but he used some yeah. different, oh, really? some very colorful words that you know, we'll leave out. You're like, kids, but, don't listen to him. <laughs> I just couldn't believe he had the gall to say it to us. He didn't know us. Right. He didn't. Out of nowhere. So we just kind of laughed. But isn't it weird to walk way. in? You walk into a restaurant, and I didn't realize it till you have about six. Right. That's but about the number. When you walk into a restaurant with six kids, everybody in the restaurant looks at you. They do. They do. And a lot of them are like disgusted, like, oh, great. Look what they, what are they doing? This is going to get loud. <laughs> isn't that crazy? Well, congratulations. Well, thank you. She's you, wonderful. And you're already fit and in shape. I, well, how many steps have you taken today? If you, if you want me to ask. You don't want to know. You really want to know? Yeah. Oh, man. You want to compare? Oh, I would, but I left. I didn't charge my watch. I'm at, I'm at 12,398. For the day. For the day. Jeez. You've got to start the day early when you have six kids. You must take tiny steps. <laughs> do you take little steps? Mini steps. You I just walk like a little, just little, little doll, yeah. little figurine. <laughs> yeah, I bet I've taken easily 500 steps. 500 today, yeah. I try to conserve my steps. Right. Save them for later or another day. You never know when you'll need steps. <laughs> you might. <laughs> 12, I, I don't do 1,200 steps a day, even when I like exercise. We have to, I have to start early. If I can't fit it in if I don't start Sheesh. it early. Sheesh. So it's on you, my front end. It's just on other people's, you know, back end of the day. Don't bring up my front end or my back end. <laughs> it doesn't work. More steps. Way. More steps. <laughs> Hadge, we miss you. Uh, Hadge, uh, we always call her Hadge because Heather Ann Johnson, but it's also because when she talks, you end up soaking in it. You're soaking in it. You're soaking in it. Oh, sweet. Do you remember sweet that? Music. It's sweet been a while. It's, it's nice to be back. You're soaking in palm olive. <laughs> well, Heather, you're going to talk to us today about. Um, a low-maintenance mom. A low-maintenance mom. Now, it's funny because I didn't even dare say the words. I know. Because if I, if, I, if I say low-maintenance mom, that sounds sexist. I'll say it. Okay, say it. Low-maintenance mom. Okay, so what does it mean to have a low-maintenance mom to be a low-maintenance mom? Well, here's the thing. This concept, so we make sure we give credit where credit is due, comes from <clears throat> a blogger. Her name's Brooke Romney. And she wrote this article about the blessings of having a low-maintenance or being raised by a low-maintenance mom. Mm. And this article is then, this blog post has been picked up, Desert News, a couple different places have picked it up and it's been out there. And I'll tell you, this is exactly what she says. She says, in today's world full of over-processed, overdone, over-glammed women, I will be forever grateful I was raised by a mother who has always been too busy with important things to scrutinize every inch of her body, obsess about fine lines, or turn herself into something she isn't. Ah, that's beautiful. Beautifully said. By the way, I know Brooke's mom. I really do. Do you? She is a low maintenance mom. She's great. But it's interesting because she's they're they're a successful family, they're a wealthy family, but she's very just low, low maintenance. maintenance. And it is it is beautiful. It, it's refreshing. Uh-huh. And we kind of want to define this a little bit because when we think of low maintenance, the first thing we think of is, okay, you know, you never really take care of yourself, shop at DI, yeah. Birkin. We're being very stereotypical right, even right. saying that, right? Yeah. It's tough to say. But 
But low maintenance or high maintenance is very different for everyone else. And in this definition, low maintenance doesn't matter where you shop or what shampoo or makeup you use. Low maintenance means two things. It means first that we're comfortable with who we are Mm. and we know who we are. That's great, yeah. So we know who we are and we're okay there. The second thing that low maintenance means is that we have our priorities in order. And so this is exactly what Brooke is saying about her mom. She's saying, this woman who's raising me, she knows who she is and she's accepted herself And she has her priorities in order. Now, the reason this means higher low maintenance is because think about it. When we don't have our priorities in order, when we Mm. struggle to accept who we are, that means that we're constantly allowing ourselves to be bombarded by the messages that the media and everyone else around us is throwing in. Yeah. That is so much to maintain. It, it's these high – we're maintaining you know, our neighbor's thoughts and the media's thoughts and how so-and-so thinks and th- it gets overwhelming. So a low-maintenance mom is the mother who can look at herself and accept it and say, it doesn't matter what everyone else says because I have priorities and I know what they are. That is so beautiful. And because then otherwise, if you don't, then you have to go with the winds of the day. You do. It's exactly right. And you're right. just constantly being – so whatever the winds are, that's where you end up going, which ends up being high maintenance. Then it's like, oh, we have to protect mom from this or we better give mom more time right. or, yeah, let's just not invite mom to this. It's exactly right. And even ourselves, you know, put yourself in a canoe and go back to your example of winds and add some currents. And oh. when they're all pushing and pulling, we're constantly trying to stabilize ourselves yeah. and try to figure out where we're comfortable and try to, you know, bail out the extra water that's gotten in and patch up the holes because we're not comfortable in our own skin with what it is we're moving forward yeah. with. It's like a bad scout camp. It- <laughs> When you bring up a canoe example, <laughs> immediately it's like, scout camp. I'm like, scout camp. <laughs> we're dead. So understand that's what we're talking about here with hmm. a low maintenance mom. And that's what Brooke And this could be a low too. maintenance dad, too. Absolutely. But moms kind of are more known for being high maintenance. Sure. They got to get their nails done. They got, but you can still get your nails done and have your priorities straight. Absolutely. Your and nails so, just aren't your identity. Right. And we want to be really careful to not start throwing right. in those stereotypes because unfortunately that starts to hurt us. Exactly. If we go back to this definition of low maintenance being knowing and accepting ourselves and our priorities in order, then actually all those other superficial things oh, like your nails or your hair whatever. or where you shop, they fall by the wayside. I love that. So there's a couple things that we can do to become this low maintenance mom or to maintain our low maintenance, right? Yeah. The first thing we have to do is we've got to take inventory. Now there's two places we're going to do this. The first is we're going to take inventory with ourselves. Now that means we're going to genuinely look at how we feel about ourselves and every part of us. Now what happens is when we start to do this, especially as women, we're actually taking inventory in comparison to the world around us. Right. We have to really be conscious of where we're looking and, and how we're doing taking this inventory. For example, when I think about what the world tells us women should look like, Thin is always in. Oh, yeah. You know, there's there's this look, that supermodel. We all feel it. Mm-hmm. If I take inventory of myself and I compare myself to those images, I will always be high maintenance because I will never match up. I will never get there. Right. I am not built that way. But when I actually think about how I truly feel about myself, I'm active. I'm more muscular. I actually really – I really like my muscles. I really right. like that I'm strong. Well, you're ripped. I, you know, I wouldn't go that far, but can but I But you appreciate it in I, yourself. I do. I, I, you know, I can run and play with our kids. Yeah, I can haul our two-year-old healthy. around you know, when we're on a hike and she gets tired. I can do those things. So the inventory happens and really can, can settle in with us when we actually f- look and feel mm. about ourselves 
truth, yeah. who we truly are. If I compare myself to the media, I'm never going to be fulfilled. But I, I actually like those things about me yeah. when I really look at myself. Well, but you'd actually think about who you'd have to go. You'd have to go find somebody with your frame, with your hobbies, right. with your style, with your everything to even compare. Right. But and we don't. We compare ourselves to some twiggy supermodel. Sure. That's, that's not a fair comparison. Yeah. So we have to do that first, a genuine inventory. The second place we have to take inventory is look at how we are as a mother. Hmm. That means we have to say we don't beat ourselves up about the past, but we simply say, what type of mom do I want to be? What do I want my children to say about me? How do I want them to feel when they're in my presence or in our home or when our family is together? This inventory is looking at who we're trying to become as mothers. And like you said, the exact same thing can be done with a father or a man, the same thing. So we're going to take inventory. Once we've done that, we're going to start setting some really healthy goals. Now, if we truly take an inventory of ourselves, then these goals will naturally follow suit without a lot of struggle because then inventory will show us where we're strong and where we're weak. Yeah. My suggestion whenever families or individuals are trying to do this is to get a piece of paper and at the top write down your needs and your values. It's a no-fail way to get really healthy goals and head in the right direction. Give me an example of needs and a val- and a values. Uh, well, a need – I know for me a need is usually to do better with the laundry. Oh, really? With six so, kids. Yeah. So right? it's, it's a need. It's what you need to improve. Right. And you could look at it as maybe a personal need. Like mm-hmm. I need time in the morning to exercise. Yeah. It can go either way. Uh, and then a value for me is more that exercise. But a value would be I want our children to learn compassion or mm. I want our children to be faith-driven children, whatever it might be. And so you're going to look at those things. You're going to write them down, and then you're going to fill in the gap with short-term and long-term goals that are yeah. help, going to help you become that mother to fulfill those needs and values. Now, you might need to pull in family members. You might want to share this. In fact, I encourage you to share it with your spouse or with your kids so that they know where you're headed. But there will be times when you can bring everyone together to then accomplish That's great. these goals. So we're going to set these really healthy goals. And you write them down, and then do I – Write them down. And then am I going to present them? Not necessarily unless – Oh, this is for you anyway. Right. This is for us. This is us becoming better people. Now, like I said, there will be things that, that affect our family in more open, more openly. Yeah. Share those. Open up about those and say, hey, you guys, one of the goals I have for our family is to spend time together every week. What day is best for you? Or yeah. What? Now and then involve them. Yeah. Right. And That's so that great. would be under your, you know, your priority, your needs and values list, and you'll do that. So it's a really you – know, we often think, well, where do I start? Start right there with your needs and your values. I love great it. Great place to start. So this is us creating low-maintenance moms. Heather Ann Johnson is with us. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue soaking in – More from Heather Ann Johnson. You're soaking in it. You're soaking in it. (laughs) More from Heather Ann Johnson right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. In studio with us is uh, one of our great contributors, Heather Ann Johnson. Uh, we call her Hadge. You're soaking in it. Because we're soaking in it. She just comes, she brings her wisdom, and uh, we all just soak in it. She is a professor here, an adjunct faculty member at Brigham Young University, 
and teaches us how to have a successful family. She also is the author of the book Family Fun Fridays and FamilyVolley.com is her website. You need to go check that out. Uh, She's here today teaching us about low-maintenance moms, which she says are two things to be low-maintenance. You got to be comfortable with your, ex- yourself, accept who you are. Yeah, exactly right. And two, you got to have your priorities in order. Right. And by doing those two things, you are a bada boom, bada bing, yep. low maintenance mom. That's exactly right. Yep. And this comes from a, a blog you <clears throat> saw by Brooke Rom- Romney. It did. Yeah, it kind of spawned the idea so that we can become low maintenance mothers, yeah. right? Or like you said, this works for fathers too. Yeah, but yeah, low maintenance fathers. Right. But you kind of want your father to do some maintenance. Right. <laughs> At least around the house. Yeah. Right. Around the, oh, right. yeah. Or in the yard. At least in the yard. Somewhere. <laughs> Just do something. So um, you've already taught us we need to take an inventory about ourselves and our, as a mother, how right. we're doing as a mother, and then also set some goals. Some and, healthy goals. And you suggested we start with our needs and our wants. Needs and our values. Oh, values. Yep. Sorry. Yep. Yeah. And we can throw wants in there. Just add to column number three. Yeah. We have some wants. One right? more column. One more column. So once we're, we've done that, there's a couple other things we need to do. We need to recognize that it's okay to take some time for ourselves. What? Now, I know. I know. Totally. The hard thing is society takes this, especially the media takes this too far. They take it to a place where we're then neglecting our priorities. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the the time that we need to genuinely – Oh, create that woman who is stronger because she's done some things for herself that are needed or necessary. Mm. And so we want to analyze what that is. I know for me, this is time to be active every single day. Yeah, you need your steps. I do. I need my steps. And so to do that, there will be opportunities where we can do that, but we're probably going to have to sacrifice. I know for me that comes at a price, and that's my sleep and my mornings. Mm. So if this Don't is, do it, Heather. <laughs> if this is something that's a priority for me, I know for me that means it starts about 4, 30, 4, 45 to yeah. get it done before kids wake up and husband needs to do – I have to do it yeah. then. But it becomes a priority, and it's time for myself that I do need. That hour I take or hour and 15 minutes makes me a much better mother the Mm. rest of the day and night, always. And so take some time for yourself, some healthy time. Look inward, decide what that is. Maybe, you know, you need to be artistic, and that's something. Maybe it's the physical, whatever it might be, take that time. But that's not – and that's not even – it seems like you're sacrificing to get your time, but it's additive to your life. So it's exactly right. It's just essential. Right. It you got to get it. It's it's needed. You know, there's a lot of research with marriages and families that shows that individual time will hurt your relationships, which is 100 percent true if individual time is the only time you have. Right. So if we spend all of our extra time doing things alone or with other people besides our spouse and family, it's going to hurt us. But if we take this time moderately – and use it as needed, it will only help a relationship because we become stronger. Yeah, right. Especially if we have spousal support. I know my sweet husband, especially with a new baby at home, you know, sometimes she doesn't sleep when I'm gone. Mm. And so I'll come home and he is so great. He'll be sitting in the chair, you know, rocking her back and forth because she's hungry and I'm not there to feed her. And he knows in 15 minutes she'll be here. But he knows it's important. And so he supports me in that. And so we make it work that way. So take that time for ourselves. Once you do this, have this realization that All we need to do is be a good enough mom. Mm -hmm. Now, before people crash as they listen or people are throwing things, yes, research shows that children are better off with a good enough mom instead of a perfect mom. Yeah, exactly. And that is hard for us to digest, especially as women. We're always seeking perfection. But the fact is, and again, research shows that children are better off with a mom that is good enough. 
What starts to happen when we're seeking and forcing this perfection is that it gives our kids a false front, that it's actually attainable. Oh, blow that and up. I, I really hate to say it, but it's not. Yeah, no, no one is perfect and we will never be. Right. And so it gives our kids that false front. A couple other things it does when we strive for this perfection instead of good enough is that it sets the standard in our home that no one can ever obtain. Right, because it, it ends – so it's now reflected on everyone. Right, and that brings unnecessary stress. Remember, we're trying to be low maintenance. So this idea that we are, are trying to become something that's impossible, that is the epitome of high right, maintenance, exactly. right? And we do the same thing with our kids. We put that extra pressure in our home and they feel it. Ugh. The other thing that hurts our kids is that they need to see what it's like to make a mistake – or have to figure out how to try harder or do better or, you know, reconfigure. And so when we when we give them this sense that everything is perfect, they never see what it's like to make a mistake and then have to fix it. Mm-hmm. So being perfect, we're going to knock that. We're going to forget about that. Be a good enough mom. Write it on your, you know, palm of your hand. Put it on your bathroom mirror. Today I'm going to be a good enough mom. And you've put yourself in a perfect place. Yeah. It's a good place to be. Ooh, that's great. That's great advice. Once we do that, though, or to be a good enough mom, we have to stop being negative. Women are very negative with how we look, uh, the things that we do. We've got to stop being so critical of ourselves and being negative. The interesting thing is the more negative and critical we are, we actually raise children who are then negative and critical. Yeah. We've probably all seen it. You know, Maybe we've said something about a driver who passes by or the neighbor's yard isn't kept and we make a comment or we're negative about something on our own physical appearance. And the next thing we know, we've got a six-year-old who's complaining because my feet are too long or my nose is too pointy. Right. You know, Our 10-year-old, we drive past that neighbor's house and they say, man, I sure wish they'd mow their lawn. <laughs> and it rings true in our head and we realize you're saying that because I Look say at that. what's happening. Right. Yeah, we're handing it down. So we need to stop being critical. Also, being critical just adds that high maintenance again because we're constantly pointing out the things that mostly we can't change. Mm-hmm. And that's what's really hard. Unless we're talking major surgery or right. <laughs> the impossible, changing our genes, there are things we can't change. And then as a husband, I, I mean, I've noticed that we can tell you you're beautiful right. all the time. So we, when you're like critical of yourself, we think, oh, she must want me to – Tell her she's beautiful. (laughs) But even if I say you're beautiful, you're not going to believe it anyway. Right. So eventually we just learn not to even say it because you won't believe it. Well, and then it's even – it's double worse because we're like, why didn't they say something? So now we're all in hot water, right? Exactly. Uh, I got some great advice my husband and I did when we got married. Uh, Our ecclesiastical leader pulled me aside personally. And as he was talking to me, he said, "I I want you to understand something. And he said, the last thing you need to do when you're married to your husband is point out your faults. And then he went on to say, because 99% of the time, your husband will never realize them until you point them out to him. Yeah. And I think about that all the time. I think about it when I want to complain about my nose not being right or, you know, this being too big or this being too small, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. And I think, you know, if I say that, now he's going to know if I yeah. don't. Nobody, no right. one's noticing Don't that highlight but us. It. Exactly. And so I think it's really great advice for all of us to take. There's no need to walk around being that person that's constantly being critical of ourselves. Mm. All it does is add more maintenance, right? And right. we're trying to get rid of that maintenance. In fact, it might even be better to actually identify three things a day that you love about yourself. Like today, I really nailed this. Absolutely. And we can do that in a number of ways. Gratitude journals are a great way to do that. You could even, if we're tying it into what we're talking about, get yourself a notebook and put in the front that you're a good enough mom. And every day, like you said, write down three ways Mm -hmm. that you've been a good enough mom. That's great. Not perfect, Uh but a good enough mom. And like you know, and I know the research of putting down things we're grateful for or things that we're appreciative of, all it does is make us stronger people. That's so good. 
That's it's a true. really it's a really great thing to do. So it's great advice. We also have to stop letting go of the guilt. We have this tendency as women to feel guilty and like we're a martyr. Yeah. You know, this martyr one I struggle with a little bit because first and foremost, we're the ones who chose to be moms. Right. So walking around like a martyr does us no good. Instead of seeing it as a burden, let's celebrate it as a blessing. And that martyr, you know, title will drop to the wayside. But we have to stop being guilty. You know, one of my favorite quotes comes from Eleanor Roosevelt, and she said, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Mm. And it really always comes back to us. It's just like our, you know, parents when we come home and we'd, I would, I'd say, man, she made me so mad. And my mom would say, Heather, no one can make you mad. You've chosen to be mad. Oh, shush, mom. I know. That's exactly right. And as a teenager, I did. I remember thinking, just just tell me I should be mad and be mad with me. Yeah, right. But it rings very true, especially as we're trying to be this low-maintenance mother that has priorities and knows who we are. We have to stop letting other people, you know, make us inferior. They mm. don't. We we decide to consent to feel totally. that way. So we've got to drop that. When we make mistakes, when we wish something was different, so be it. So we made right. a mistake. Right. So today wasn't a good day. We've got let's do better tomorrow type thing. It's really that idea, too, to be very kind to your past self. So much of the criticalness that we harbor comes from yesterday oh, yeah. and last week and months and years ago. And it leaves you kind of wallowing in that past. It's exactly right. So we need to be very always be kindest to your past self. And then if you're going to be tough on anything, be tough on the person you're becoming today and tomorrow. Right. Right. Hold that person accountable. Yeah, we don't, though, do we? We, we kind of ignore that person. It's exactly right. And we, we we sometimes glamorize maybe what we could be. Right. But, and we ignore the present and we just beat the crud out of the past. We exactly do. And we need to be kind to the past. And instead, if we're going to, you know, harbor and harp on somebody, let's do it right now and become better moving forward because the past we can't, that is, we can't change. But see, that's our psychology, right? We don't we, – we want it easier today. Right. We do. We do. But we then want to – we maybe also want to just be able to beat ourselves up tomorrow. Right. And I don't know why we, we so continue sick. to think that we can change what's already happened. Right, exactly. We can't. Now, can we acknowledge that it will affect how we make choices today? Yes, because our relationships are circular. Sure. They're not linear. A doesn't cause B. It's coming from lots of experiences we've had. But we do. We've got to let go of the past and be kind to it and instead be tougher on where we're headed oh, in the future. So it's good. it's really important to to let go of that guilt. When we do that, too, we've got to then decide how we're going to start interacting with our children to be that mom. And one of the best ways to do this is to share ourselves with them. I read this great article not too long ago that said one of the best things that mothers can do for their daughters is to share themselves with their Mm. daughters. That daughters will be stronger and more confident if they know who their mothers are. And share your vulnerabilities, not just your strengths. Not just your strength. To share with them who they are. Be real. And I've thought about this continually since I read it. And even though it was something I knew, I started to evaluate what I knew about my mom and realized that my strengths and my ability to work through weaknesses, because I have plenty of them, have come directly from knowing who my mother was. I know about her. I know the stories about her. I know her struggles. I know her successes. I know where she's strong. I know what she loves to do. I could tell you, you know, lots of stories about her in high school and what she liked to do growing up. And when she first met my father... That has blessed my life. Oh, yeah. And it's the same way with our children. We've got to share who we are with them. As I've kind of been doing this self-evaluation, I realized that I have something that has been a part of my life that I have never shared with my kids, and that is playing tennis. Yeah. I have played tennis 
my whole life. In fact, I used to sleep with my tennis racket. I did in that high school. Weird. Slept right. It was a little bit weird. But it's like, you know, the baseball player. You smelled like nylons, t- <laughs> nylon after. <laughs> who tucks his glove under his pillow, yeah, right? You right. Just, I absolutely loved it. And I realized that I put it on the wayside and didn't bring it up or talk about it the way I should have. And so not too long ago, my husband and I were talking and particularly about this. And he said, you know, you really should let the girls know that this is something you loved and and teach them. You should teach them to play. And so we've been we've made some modifications so that our time as a family can be on a tennis court. And it's something that I can share with them. That's great. And it's amazing to see the connection that it started to bring with us, not just as a family, but with our girls, as I've taught them and told them stories of matches I had and awards I won or times I lost or struggles. I, it's a beautiful thing. Well, and then you come out and now the real you is there. It's exactly right. And that's who we want them to love. It's powerful. I remember a time with my mom too. I didn't know my mom could skateboard. <laughs> and one time she picked up my brother's skateboard and went to the top of a hill without telling us and just came flying down the hill right up into our driveway, parked that skateboard and kidding? got off like it was nothing. Holy cow, mom. Be careful. And that's what we have to do. We've got to decide that what we need to be mothers is already inside of us yeah. and go get it. Man. Don't look for it somewhere else. Heather Ann Johnson, you nailed it. Low maintenance moms. Wow. If that doesn't motivate you folks, let your kids know who you really are. Powerful stuff. Heather Ann Johnson, go to familyvolley.com. That's her website. You can get more information there. And also check out her book, Family Fun Fridays. She's the real deal, and we can soak in it. You're soaking in it. You're soaking in it. Thanks, Heather. We'll take a break, come back, continue the discussion. This is The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. to the Matt Townsend Show. It's good to have Heather back. She's the real deal. I'm telling you, it's not easy. to. I don't know how you go have a baby and still worry about work. I mean, Ben can't even have breakfast and worry about his job. Can you, Ben? Nope. Not to bring you in like that. Yeah, this cold. I, half the time during, every time I laugh, I just start hacking like a little old man trying to keep it in. Hey, did you hear this crazy statistic about um, four in 10 Americans, four in 10 want a wall on the northern border? And about 90 percent of children, elementary school children, want a wall on the northern border. 41 percent of Americans say that if a wall is built along the Mexican border, one should also be erected on the Canadian border. I swear, Canadians, like, they're, they're underrated. You like, can't trust the Canadians. I know. What's so funny is when you hear the point that we're doing it for security, right? We need the, we need the wall, the southern wall for security is what Donald says. But if that's true, we would need a northern wall for security. I think the Canadian border is more dangerous than the Mexican border. Why? You just because they import so much comedy. Some of the great comedians come from Canada, eh? It's all a front. A lot of the movies, the films are shot up in Canada. If you put a border wall up there, you're not going to have half as many television shows. 
well, we can go into Canada, but we they just can't come into the U.S. Well, that's just tragic. It's crazy. The latest Bloomberg poll on polit- uh, political poll says that uh, this, even though, you know, we keep talking about these walls, overwhelmingly, the majority of people express positive feelings about a- immigration. Eighty percent of people agree that the U.S. economy has thrived historically because of new arrivals. So 80 percent of people think the economy has thrived because of immigration and 70 percent expressed approval for the efforts that Pope Francis is making to encourage nations to be more welcoming to immigrants. So we have this weird idea that, okay, 80 percent think immigration's good, but then we build the wall and they're probably saying, right, we need the wall because it's the illegal immigration we can't have. Then they add to it because there's a safety issue because terrorists may be coming across the border. But if you're going to make that argument, terrorists can come across the northern border. And honestly, how many of us haven't wanted to wall out another state that was next to our state? Or not even that. Let's just start building walls around our communities. How many of you would love a wall just around your house or around your neighborhood? Oh, those are called gated communities. And they're available. I'm telling you, you start building the walls. And I get it. There's a security issue. We've got to figure out how to stop people from crossing, right? That's got to happen. That's for security. It's got to happen. But we should be doing that on the northern border too. A wall? I don't know. It just seems it seems like you're setting yourself up for the sense of false safety maybe. Anyway. It's a real uh, interesting dilemma we've got, folks. We'll keep discussing it here on the Matt Townsend Show. We'll take a break. Come back. Next hour, we'll be talking movies. We'll be working and, and doing a little conversation with our producers. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program, my friends. It's Friday, so you can relax. It is the beginning of the end. Welcome to the show. Hopefully it won't be that final. That sounded so bad. The Pope is now in New York. So if you're in New York, you're probably experiencing a few delays getting around town. Um, Interested uh, to see what he says at the UN today. Also want to find out, um, you know, he's, he's got such an amazing heart and wants to be with his people. I love it when you see him in his Pope mobile and they're bringing babies to kiss out and people are darting through security just to have his blessing. I don't know, bringing a lot of hope around uh, the country. Uh, interesting news, too. This just in John Boehner is resigning from Congress at the end of October. He is he's done. He's not he's not even just resigning from his speaker chair. He's resigning from Congress totally. If you watched any of the uh, coverage with the Pope yesterday, you saw he was he was teary. He was crying a lot, which he's known to do. But I found out, Ben, why he cries so much. Why? You won't believe this. 
he he obviously has been reading the Washington Times because the Washington Times just did an article called EPA's fondness for high-end furniture costs the taxpayers $92 million. From the Washington Times, listen to this. The EPA, you know, they're supposed to be protecting the environment and the concern for trees, but according to this Washington Times article, um, uh uh-oh, yeah, John Boehner's crying. He's sad. (laughs) He's sad, but it's all right, John, because listen, hey, pal, you're fine. We got you. It's just the EPA. The EPA in the past decade, listen, John, quit crying. Quit crying. They spent a whopping $92 million to purchase, rent, and install store office furniture ranging from fancy hickory chairs. John, brother, you're good. You're good. I feel bad for him. Where do we get this audio, Ben? Um, I, I don't know. I just found it online. That's a great get. But this is the killer one. Listen to this. They have a wooden table uh, worth thousands of dollars for each of these wooden tables and a simple drawer to store pencils, a drawer to store pencils that cost $813 for a drawer. Oh, wow. John, you're good. John Boehner, he's a poor guy. He's devastated. The furniture shopping sprees equaled about $6,000 for every one of the agency's 15,492 employees. Each employee, $6,000 on average. (sighs) That's crazy. And you know what that means. The EPA needs to bring in more money, which means they're going to have to tighten down on the businesses. And all the environmental protection problems that they're and, – and laws that they're violating so we can just pay the $98 million back that they spent on their furniture. Anyway, not to be negative, but I think I know why John Boehner's leaving. There's got to be an easier life somewhere else. Well, let's get to a week in review. Find out uh, what Kathy's got and uh, review the week. Good morning, everyone. Pope Francis is scheduled to speak at the U.N. today. The pontiff flew into New York last night for evening prayers at St. Patrick's Cathedral. This coming after his speech yesterday on Capitol Hill, the first ever religious leader to speak to a joint session of Congress. Now is the time for courageous action and strategies. I'm implementing a culture of care and an integrated approach combating poverty. The Pope talked about using the golden rule when treating refugees and immigrants. He also urged legislators to use laws to protect human life and those at risk. He called for a united response of hope and healing for a world racked by violence. He also talked about the family, climate change, and religious freedom. According to a new Fox News poll, Donald Trump still leads the GOP. He comes in at 26 percent, followed by Ben Carson at 18 percent. Carly Fiorina and Marco Rubio are tied at 9 percent. Hillary Clinton is still the Democratic frontrunner with 44 percent. That's a new low for her, down 5 percent since last month. Bernie Sanders is at 30 percent, and Vice President Joe Biden, who has still not announced whether or not he's running, comes in at 18 percent. 
First, it was former Texas Governor Rick Perry bowing out of the GOP race. Then Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker followed by announcing he's also stepping down. I will suspend my campaign immediately. I encourage other Republican presidential candidates to consider doing the same so that the voters can focus on a limited number of candidates who can offer a positive, conservative alternative to the current frontrunner. Walker said the debate needs to be focused on the optimistic view of America and not on personal attacks. After months of being silent, Hillary Clinton finally shared her stance on the Keystone XL pipeline. I think it is imperative that we look at the Keystone pipeline as what I believe it is, a distraction from the important work we have to do to combat climate change and, unfortunately, from my perspective, one that interferes with our ability to move forward to deal with all the other issues. Therefore, I oppose it. Speaking of Clinton, the FBI has reportedly recovered personal and work-related emails from her private server she thought had been deleted. The FBI is trying to figure out how many classified emails are on that server and how they got there. The agency is concerned about whether Clinton's private email server exposed any classified information, and if so, the extent of the exposure. Volkswagen CEO Martin Winterkorn is stepping down amid the German automaker's emissions scandal. Volkswagen admitted to using software to fake emissions testing on 11 million diesel vehicles in the U.S., and yesterday it was announced it also affects cars in Europe. Winterkorn said he takes personal responsibility but denies any wrongdoing on his part. Nine years ago, 360 pilgrims were killed in a stampede near Mecca. Yesterday, Saudi Arabian authorities said more than 700 people died and over 850 injured during the Hajj pilgrimage that began Tuesday. The stampede took place approximately three miles east of Mecca. A 21-year-old man has been formally charged with 16 felonies in connection with several freeway shootings in Phoenix. Leslie Allen Merritt is the suspect and is being held on $1 million bond. Viola Davis made history when she became the first black woman to win an Emmy for Best Actress in a Drama. Davis was awarded the Emmy for her role in How to Get Away with Murder. And Yogi Berra, the former Hall of Fame catcher for the New York Yankees, died Tuesday night at the age of 90. Berra won 10 World Series titles with the Yankees and was named MVP three times. He also served in World War II in the Navy. Berra was famous for such quotes as, It ain't over till it's over, and it's deja vu all over again. With the Weekend Review, I'm Kathy Aiken. Thank you, Kathy. And what a week it has been. Uh, We're going to take a break, my friends. When we come back, we will be um, doing a review of some of the movies that are coming out with Rod Gustafson. Also going to meet the producers a little uh, head-to-head with me and my own producers. Find out uh, they're going to try to stump me. But really, educate us is what we're going to talk about. Then we'll go to BYU Sports Nation. We've got a lot of show for you. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Townsend Show. And because it's Friday, it's time to go to the movies. And who better to take us than Rod Gustafson, our parentpreviews.com contributor. And he is a film critic specializing in reviewing movies and media from a parent's perspective. He's going to walk us through uh, the movie The Intern, which some of the people on staff here, Rod, say they loved. And yet I'm not hearing necessarily great reviews about it. Welcome, Rod. Hello, Matt. Well, I, you know, this is a movie I think audiences are going to like more than most film critics will. 
because I think a lot of film critics will say, gee, you know, this is sentimental. It is predictable. I mean, every moment of this movie, you pretty much, there was one little surprise, which I dare not give away, or there won't be any surprises. So, so I can see why a lot of film critics are going to come out of this one feeling somewhat like, no, the, the jaded film critic will not like it. Uh, this has De Niro, De Niro in it, right? Yes, yes, Robert De Niro and Anne Hathaway. And I have had so many people say this to me. Oh, please, don't tell me that Hollywood is going to put those two together in a romance. That's just icky. (laughs) And so I want to put everybody's minds at rest. No, there is not a romance between them. In fact, he plays much more of a father figure in her life. And they really should have, they should have alluded to that in the trailer because otherwise I I think that may cause a lot of people to think I don't even want to see the movie. Hmm. Yeah, you don't want to start out with the ooh factor, right? Yeah, no, you don't want that ooh factor. That's not good ooh. <laughs> so, so talk about the intern. What is the whole story about? Well, the story is about. I, I, this is what I really appreciated about it. I appreciate the De Niro character. Uh, he plays a guy named Ben. He's a widower. He's retired. He's seventy years old. He's traveled the world. He's learned a foreign language. He's done yoga, and he's bored. <laughs> he just he wants. He still wants to do things and. What I like about that, Matt, is I think as we extend our lifespan, 70 years old is not what it used to be. And uh, he still wants to do something. So one day he discovers this ad for a high-tech startup company who is, they're looking for senior interns. I've never heard of such a thing. <laughs> but they are, and when they say senior, they make, it means senior citizens. Yeah. So he applies for the job goes through the interviews, which is really very funny, one of the funniest parts of the movie, and uh, and gets hired. But Anne Hathaway owns this little startup company. It's about 200 employees. And she does not remember approving this program. <laughs> so, of course, he gets placed to be her assistant her assistant intern, and she's not very happy about that. But like I say, we know exactly where this railroad is headed. Right. And, uh, and sure enough that he just is Mr. Wonderful, the nicest guy you could imagine on the screen who could not like him. And so he starts to soften her heart and she starts building, a, a, as I say, a father-daughter relationship with him. That's great. I mean, really, to have a to have a movie not be based around this romance is a great, but then also kind of the pro senior message that, you know, there's still stuff they can contribute and should contribute. Yeah, and that is the part about it I liked. Now I'll tell you the part I didn't like. What didn't the you film like? Is, well, the film is written by Nancy Myers, and Nancy is probably I'm guessing, but I think she must be close to De Niro's age. Hmm. Uh, and Nancy has written many, many wonderful films, and some not so wonderful. But uh, this film has this seasoning of what I would call 1970s feminism. And it just feels out of place. It feels like, really, you know, we've heard these arguments 30 years ago. This is done now. But there's this need to have a very strong message about women in the workplace. I have no problems with women in the workplace. But at the same time, in this movie, it is done at the expense of women who choose to stay at home with their children. And there's a couple of scenes there where you get this slap on the face you know, towards stay-at-home moms. Oh. And 
I thought, no, we don't need that. And yeah. that part of the film I didn't appreciate because I feel like those are old, worn-out arguments and we should have moved past that by now. Uh, the Hathaway character wants to work. She is a workaholic and she is paying for it with the time that she is not spending with her daughter and with her husband. And there's some consequences where both sides of the uh, parties, both parties are at fault. Um, and they deal with that. And But at the same time, uh, you know, I felt like that kind of detracted from the best part of the story, which is the De Niro character. What what uh, grade did you give this? And, and is it do we, what age kids should be going to this? Well, I, okay, this is another one of those films. I think kids will be bored, bored, bored. So this is really much more an adult movie, and but an adult movie in a reasonably good way. So we're giving it a B grade. Hmm. You know, not a whole lot of content in this film. Very, very few profanities, but unfortunately, one of them is that sexual expletive that seems to make its way into so many movies. And I almost wonder, Matt, if they didn't put it into this one so it would get a PG-13 rating because there's really no other content that would have caused it to move from PG to PG-13. Yeah. A couple of mild, uh, sensual moments uh, that uh, one of them really unnecessary, but still it's fairly brief. So, you know, content-wise, not too bad. And it is a feel-good movie. I mean, you do come out of the theater feeling good. And it sounds, so it sounds like a real good date movie. Take your it wife, is. take yeah. your spouse out. Yes, yes. Although this is very much a women's a woman's movie, so guys, <laughs> just know that going into this and enjoy it. There is That's some, good. there are some funny moments that that I think the men will enjoy as well. That's great, Rod. That sounds like a great one. Um, again, uh, talk about uh, Hotel Transylvania because my son can hardly wait. He just saw a preview of this the other day, but I know it's not a movie that's been screened. Why, why are some movies screened and why are some not screened? Well, because, it, see, it, the movie studios really, and they do remind us as critics of this, time, you know, relatively frequently, that being able to see a movie before its release date is a privilege. It's not <laughs> something that we have a right to be able to expect. And I just mentioned a moment ago with the intern that this is a movie that the public's going to like more than critics. Well, Hotel Transylvania 2 is that, you know, 10 times over. Really? This is a film that kids will probably enjoy. Movie critics are going to feel like they're listening to fingernails on the blackboard. <laughs> and the studios know that. And so they carefully assess, you know, where if they have a pretty fair idea that this film is going to have more damage done by pre-screening it. They won't pre-screen it. Oh, and interesting. They just, yeah, they will either hope that the critics are too busy to go see it on Friday. I'm not. I'm going to be seeing it this afternoon. And they will just forget about it. Or by the time the film critics do get to see it, they will have already missed many of their publication and broadcast deadlines, and they won't be able to call it down until the next week, which will give it a good, a better chance of having a strong opening weekend. Huh. Well, that's interesting. I mean, because they usually they're so dependent on the critics, but sometimes I guess they got to run from you. Well, and I, you know that is part of it. It is the old saying: any publicity is better than no publicity. But you know that doesn't always hold true. Hmm. If you get a barrage of media on the Friday morning uh, talk shows like what we're doing right now, calling a movie down, it can have a negative effect on the block on the oh, box office. Interesting. Up. So, now, th- I mean, this is an Adam Sandler movie, right? 
Yes, yes, he does one of the voices in this film. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, having said all of this, at parent previews, we do look at movies a little differently, which is why we're telling people the intern may be an okay choice. We, we weren't crazy about the first, the first Hotel Transylvania, but, I mean, there's certainly worse things that your kids could go see. <laughs> so I'm hoping that this one will provide some, you know, some good family entertainment. And by the way, if you do check our website, we do, even though the review's not there yet, we do a lot of digging around so we can try and find out what content parents can expect in movies uh, even before we've seen it. And there is, this one's listed as having frequent non-graphic violence and frequent slapstick violence, not not too surprising. Uh, And there are uh, some infrequent, mild, crude references in it as well. So I suspect, you know, what we call potty humor and that type of thing. They're also saying that some scenes may frighten children. So, so mm. you know, parents, just approach this one with a little bit of caution. I, you know, I would probably hold off on the 10 and under crowd until maybe, you know, we're done our review or you've read some other reviews. Wow. That's great advice, really. And when I think about it, too, I also, I mean, you, there's so many other great movies out there you've already recommended to us. Um, Everest is out there. So if you haven't seen that yet, Becoming Bulletproof. I mean, some of these are you've really liked. Yes, yes. I mean, the, the hard part, the, the, the audience that I feel for are, you know, parents who have young children and they're looking to try and find a movie that they can take young children to. One I am hoping, and we'll, we'll be screening this one next weekend, but it's not out until October 9th, is Pan. And this is yet another take on Peter Pan. Oh. It's rated G. Oh, G, wow. Not even PG. So wow. Fully. When was yeah, the last yeah. G? Pardon me? When was the last G-rated movie? You know, I was just thinking the same thing myself because even the Pixar films usually come in at PG because there's enough, you know, little Innuendo and Yeah. Yeah, so it's been a while. I'll, I'll have to look that up, Matt. That's Maybe great. I'll have an answer yeah. for you next week. Yeah. But yeah, they're rare. We don't get many Gs. Well, that's, you know what, you're doing a great service there at Parent Previews, and we recommend everybody go to the website, parentpreviews.com. And uh, look at all of these reviews, and it's so powerful because you can click on and and see their overall rating, but you can also see why. You can see about the language and get get a full review so you know ahead of time what to be looking forward to. And, Rod, I hear there's a chance that you might be in town next week doing a live (laughs) show with us. I might be there. And hey, oh, one other short little plug. We're starting to do video versions of our reviews too. So if, oh, you, great. if you go to our to the review pages on our website and scroll down on some of our newest movies, yours truly will. You don't even have to read anymore, Matt. You can just <sighs> sit back and listen. That's great. And just watch. Oh, how and, wonderful. <laughs> That's almost like it's live then, isn't it, Ralph? Oh. Almost. <laughs> well, we appreciate you. Keep up the great work. Rod Gustafson, again, thanks so much. And everybody, go check out the website, parentpreviews.com. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll be joined by two of our producers. We're gonna, they're going to try to teach me, try to educate the older generation in the room. And we're going to be playing a little game from their generation to ours. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, uh, once a week, we usually try to bridge the gap between generations. 
Ben and I, I feel like Ben and I are trying to bridge the gap constantly. And so today we've invited two of our producers in. We have about five or I think six producers on the show. They're students. Uh, one is um, Kenya Danes. Uh, Danes with a Z. <laughs> and she's here joining us today. Also, Ben has been. Also, Wasden. Okay, I wasn't sure if you knew my last name. Of course I do. Okay. Ben Wasden joining us, and they're going to teach, teach. <laughs> my voice is breaking. They're going to teach Matt stuff, which is really more about let's bridge the gap between the perfect generation and then what they call the millennial generation. Oh, no, you mixed that up. Oh, sorry. About the millennial generation and what they call the perfect generation. Still not quite there. Anywho. So, uh, Kenya, what would you say, uh, what, 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 what have you got to teach me today? What we, we wanted to find out more about you because we know about us. No, we wanted to, Ben and I were raised by a TV. We were raised by screens. And, Supplemented by a TV. So, ben, yeah. Ben's okay. protecting his mother. Yeah. Maybe Ben's parents were a little more involved. I was raised by a TV. You were raised by pups and a TV. <laughs> yeah. And everything I learned was from the TV shows I watched. See, but be careful because I was raised by a TV. I was actually okay. probably more raised by a TV than you were. Really? Because you were probably also raised by other screens. Well, that's I, fair. I, I, I was only raised by we only I only well, had I a TV. My TV shows raised yeah. me different than maybe your TV shows. Oh, that's a good point. And yeah. like the difference between our generation and your generation, the perfect is that, generation, is that our media positively shaped the <laughs> our our moral compass, and so we're a more moral generation than you. But, Clearly, because no, but you think my you think my media from the seventies was less moral than today's media. I yes. just feel like we've got the advantage. We, we know so much more. I, I don't get what you mean. I, mean okay. I was raised by Lassie. I was raised by G.I. Joe. I was raised by the Lone Ranger. I was raised by the Little Mermaid. <laughs> Why is that funny? The no. Little Mermaid, your mother. You were raised by the Little Mermaid. I was raised by the original Snow White. That was I was raised by Julie Andrews. Okay, but so on GI Joe, which was one of my favorite. By shows, the way, did you ever have a GI Joe? Yes. Did you Did you rub his head his hair off with your thumb? My brothers, I have four brothers, and so they had all these toys. My but sisters would rub bald spots onto my GI Joe. Well, after every episode, they have like an inform- informative like thing they teach you how to do something like how to stop a bloody nose and then they'd say and now you know and knowing's half the battle so tv equals knowledge fact oh man and and our media was is better quality than what you grew up on yeah you had and, you, I and agree. so we we are a more ge- <clears throat> a more moral generation well okay you keep saying moral but the 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 morality of the 70s isn't it higher than the morality now Nothing's better than it is now. I mean, Lassie. Nah. Well, okay, teach us about your shows then. There was Lassie. The dog. The dog. There was, I'll give you an example. There was, there was a, just sit right back and okay. you'll hear a tell. Okay. A tell of a fateful ship. Mm-hmm. Gilligan's Island. Yeah. Oh, we know that. But I was raised on TV Gilligan's Land. Island. Right. We had all those old TV <clears throat> well, you, shows. I know, but you have, so, so what's funny, you're still being raised on our stuff. Well, uh, it's well, more like an appreciation. See, Gilligan's Island, that's 
That's promoting idleness. <laughs> they were trapped on a deserted isle. And they still made it and, and they were together. And the skipper, sure, sure he abused poor poor Gilligan. See, we took your ideas and just made them better. So, you know, like yeah. people trapped trying to survive Hunger Games. We just, you know, improved it. <laughs> maybe maybe we can put this yeah. to the test. We'll we'll ask you a couple of questions, okay, okay. and and see how you'd answer and see how moral okay. you think these, compared to how we think. Yeah, okay, these are good. super. I mean, realistic everyday situations that okay. we could find ourselves in, and Great. because we grew up on things like Disney, we know how to respond. But we don't know if you do. Since okay, you didn't grow okay. up with it. Oh, that's, that's a good point. So super normal. Okay, situations. let's just see. Let's just see. Maybe. Okay, I'll start with one. Okay, no, Ben will start. <laughs> You guys have. Let's get down to yeah. yeah. Your country has just been invaded by the enemy. Mm. And you have been called to fight in the war. Yeah. However, your wicked old and previous. Your wicked old and previous service has already left you. Mm. You're. You wounded and feeble. Your awkward and unconventional daughter, who's always been an outcast, wants uh-huh. to take your place. Right. Do you A. Help her dress up as a man and leave in the middle of the night so she can save the entire empire. Okay. Cross-dress a- my daughter or... Yes. Get a waiver from the military because of your plantar fasciitis. Ah. Or C, pack the family up and walk through the mountains to neutral territory. Wow. So this almost mirrors... No, this is a totally random. A, okay. We it, made it, it up. seems like it mirrors a story. We made it up. Um, what I would do, I probably would not let my daughter cross-dress and then go fight in the war. Now, she would want to. If she wants to, I would just make her go in as a woman. Not an option. Okay. Then yeah. then B, let's just go to the reality. <laughs> I would have – I'd build a wall so the, the Huns couldn't come in. Oh, okay. And I would build a wall and I'd, I'd have Donald Trump. What, Can what you do about... that with your plantar fasciitis? Well, yeah. You just nominate Trump and he'll build a wall. Okay. C, I would also have Carly Fiorina be Secretary of Defense, and then I would have her allow women to fight. Why can't women fight? Yeah, well, these just were the options. See, so you. my morality so. perfectly intact. Yeah, you didn't grow up. Well, way, you, so you, what, you guys learned from Mulan, <laughs> which was the music <laughs> we were listening to. You learned what? That she should cross-dress her way in and then fight to save the kingdom. The entire see, empire. See, Matt, this is a problem. The correct answer was A. Yep. Okay. See, see, our generation grew up on multiple choice. <laughs> and and so the correct answer was A. So you're wrong. Yeah, it's A. Okay. And let me just say there is no right answer. That's why your generation is doomed. It's A. Okay. Keep going. Give me another right, one. These go are ahead. hard. You, you do another one, Ben. Okay. You and your father decide to take an African safari vacation. Mm. As a way of grooming you to take over the family business. Yeah. In the middle of the vacation, he is trampled to death by what wildebeest. My father? Mm-hmm. In a freak accident. Yeah. Scared and unsure about the future, you seek advice from your lo- long-lost uncle. Uh-oh. Who, spoiler alert, hates your dad and wants to take over the company. Uh, no. Do you, A, fight him for the position and reclaim your rightful spot? B, Take his advice, move to Napa Valley, and live with some hippies. Ooh, or tempting. C, start a radio talk show because your because your dream has always been to become famous one day. Mm. Uh, let's just say, have I been held up by a <laughs> monkey? 
and held out to the people yet? Well, at birth. At birth. Okay. That's a I would go. Thing I wouldn't go with us. any of those. I would go with D. I'd become a dentist, and then I would go kill a lion in Africa illegally so poaching again, it. Not an option. Oh. You're failing. See, you guys, your morality comes from Disney. You know that that's not a real story. Mm, pretty sure it is. Who wrote it? A lion? Shakespeare. Shakespeare wrote Based on The Hamlet. Lion King. Lion King is about Hamlet. Yep. We so, were predisposed to Shakespeare. TV equals knowledge. See, what's weird is I just read Hamlet. Huh. I didn't have lion and animals taught but lions. I, I, I watched Hamlet as a five-year-old <clears throat> child. Knowledge. No, you didn't. You watched Lion King. Yes. That's Okay, different. you ready for another one? We only have 30 seconds. Can you give me – do, do this. Let's okay, do one more. Ready? This is hard. All right. Your sister has a major anger problem. She's yes. always freaking out. She totally does. She's a total ice queen. One day, she totally flips out while y'all are having a party. Mm. She runs away into the winter night and leaves you with all your guests. Do you, A, realize that for the first time in forever, you can have people over whenever you want, so you just let her go into the woods. Party. B, leave the party, party, hunt her down, and tell her to just let it go. Or C, send everyone from the party home and just spend the night talking things out with your ditzy childhood best friend. None. <laughs> I would let it go, but I wouldn't sing this song. Because <laughs> this song drives me batty. Can we, can we just like jam out to this? But by the way, this isn't your generation song. It's true. This That's is true. part of my new generation song. Let's just give it a second. Yeah. Soak in. Sing it, Matt. <laughs> so you think being raised on Disney made you better? Absolutely. Have you heard of Kanye West? Uh, yes. He was raised on Disney. Have you heard of the Kardashians? <laughs> uh, have I ever? Disney children. <laughs> My point exactly. Have you heard of Justin Bieber? Love him. Disney see, boy. See, the difference is they were raised on Disney Channel. We were raised on Disney movies. Okay, whatever. Well, I think this was a very enlightening conversation. However. I think we won because you didn't answer anything. Well, it's not that. a competition. Let's it just is. be clear. There is, a, there, is, there is the there's a healthy, perfect generation. Which is It's us. mine. It's an X gen, I think. Hmm. And then there's your generation, the millennials, which is still trying and they're great. Don't get me wrong. But being raised on like – I was raised on Hee Haw. I was raised on Gilligan's Island, Chips, Farrah. All that stuff. We've got to take a break. We've got to, we'll go out to some of my favorite music ever from Lawrence Welk. This is from my generation. Oh, he was born in North Dakota and had a TV show. Yes, he did. Sleep tight. Bubbles and wine. Yeah. Yeah. In the wine. Champagne. See, champagne. we know everything. There it is. We'll close this out with that. When we come back, BYU Sports Nation will be with us. Thanks. Kaylee Danes, Ben Wasden. Thanks, gents and gal. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. A little bit of Sports Nation is what we need. Let's shoot it down to our good buddies, Spencer and Jerem. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, I'm so glad you picked my theme song from high school. Is this your theme song? Yeah. Mambo number five. You know why we're <laughs> I playing it was this? Macarena. 
No. Macarena is on the same list. Today is One Hit Wonder Day. Now 18. One Hit Wonder Day. Yep. This is a one hit wonder. My favorite one hit wonder was uh, a band called the Oneaters. Ooh. With that Thing You Do. Ooh. Oneaters? No, no. It's the Wonders, Jerem. Oh, the Wonders. <laughs> like the number one. <laughs> is that our fan? Yeah. Wonders. In fact, what was the name of the song? That Thing You Do. That Thing You Do. Ben's going to look it up. We'll play it on the way out of the show. It's, it's from a movie by the same title. The Oneaters or The Wonders. Hey, uh, I've got some news for you guys. Hmm. Did, did, you, did you read the Business Insider article about I the, normally do, but I didn't read it. You didn't read it this time? Yeah, you're getting ready for the Michigan game. I understand. Um, the average University of Texas player, football player, is worth $622,000 per year. So here's the numbers. Interesting. If they were paying the students... Based uh, using the exact same formula as they use for the NFL, 47% of the revenue should go to the players. And the average university, well, at Texas, they um, make $112 million annually. They're number one. They're number one. And that would make about $622,000 per player. Per football player. For, per football player of the 85 or whatever that are on scholarship. Yep, eighty-five. So from six hundred twenty-two thousand dollars a year down to about one hundred and fifty thousand for the other universities that are not making that much money. So the average university football player should be making about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. That's so, the average. Okay, yeah. so what's the low? Like what's no, 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 no. I mean, I guess that they only did the top, however many. Let's see. Mm. This is all Division One teams, though. I guess on average, make about twenty-seven million a year. So the NCAA average is $150,000. Florida, yeah, I, w- I would separate Power 5 from non-Power but like, 5. So like Ohio but State players would make $363,600. Yeah. Well, take out what it costs to give them benefits and all that. Yeah. It, it, gets, it gets tricky. It's, but it's interesting, interesting, huh? Yeah. So what if we sure. just start paying? I wonder what they'd make at BYU. Uh, 10% less than everybody else. Because <laughs> they pay a tithe. Yeah. I just think it's time that they pay the players, and if they're going to pay the players, I think they ought to pay the sports nation people. Yeah, this internship has lasted a long time. This is a big internship for you. No, we're happy to be here. It's a tricky subject. Isn't that crazy? I've read uh, up on this. I've watched documentaries. Um, There's a really good one on Netflix I watched recently. It's so detail-oriented. It is. Oh, it really is. And it's tough because... Is the third-string punter the same value as the I know. quarterback? Obviously not. No. How do you differentiate that when you become a starter? Do you give it? It's really – until someone figure out something that makes sense, there's going to be no movement on this. Well, and then why – Also, Northwestern lost a lawsuit trying to right? unionize. exactly. Recently. And why so, are we so doing it anyway? Right? If, if, if we used to just do it so that there were students, we'd give them tuition – it was a great thing. That's why they're affiliated with the university. Other than that, why are they affiliated with the university? Right. There's some, there's some sketchy details. Yeah, it's, it's a scary thing. In, in this. Uh, it makes sense to pay them, but there's a lot that goes into that. I just think it's— That's think a really it's, deep subject it, that you've thrown at us I know, I think it's fun. where we're feeling good. I, I know. I think it's fun. I think it's fun. <laughs> Let's just talk about what you're going to do on your show. I'm sure it's more fun. Hey, do you know who Dan Deerdorf is? Yes. He will be a guest on today's show. What? You got former Dan Deardorff. Yeah. Hall, well, he's, he's still a Hall of Famer, but a former NFL broadcaster as well. How'd you get College Dan? Hall of Famer. He, he calls We just called him and he said games for Michigan football. He is the color analyst for Michigan football and radio. Oh, yeah. He's got that kind of curmudgeon uh, mustache. Looks like he's going to tackle you face. <laughs> yeah. 
Classic He's, 70s lineman, right? <laughs> totally. True story. I had a former NFL linebacker say he was going to chase me down on the sideline and get a 15-yard penalty yesterday. Really? Yeah, Chris Spielman. Wow. We don't always have college football Hall of Famers on the show or pro football Hall of Famers, but when we do, they're, they're big. on back-to-back days like yesterday and today. This is huge. Chris Spielman, Dan Deardorff. Awesome. That's awesome. Dan yeah. Deardorff, man. He used, he used to, to do be color. On football. That's, That's where right? a lot of people know him. For a long time, he was with uh, Al Michaels and... Frank Gifford. What, what's your take on this Michigan game? Well, let's see. We are now 24 hours away from kickoff. How about that? Holler! Early start for BYU and Michigan on Saturday know, morning. Finally. That's good. 10 a.m. local time, noon Eastern kickoff from the big house. We have put together our three must-dos mm. for BYU to have a chance to finish September 3-1 and in what is arguably the most difficult September in program history. Can you imagine right, no. three wins and one loss? No. They're doing this great. Schedule. This could be great. They can do it tomorrow. It. How do they do it? That is the topic of our conversation today. Again, a home run. And Dan Deerdorf. Yes. Let me, can I just give you one of the three? Please do. They must arrive at the stadium. Number Step one. one, get on the plane. Number two, they must have pads and uniforms. Brought to you by the support staff of the BYU football team. Yep. Yes. And number three, breaking it down. We need a hell mary every quarter. Oh. It is funny that BYU fans expect, not expect, but think that's a possibility every time. Now we should, yeah. It's We've hope. been asking people to project <laughs> the Sunday morning headline after the BYU Michigan game. That's our Twitter topic today. Is write the Sunday headline for this game. That's a great. You're gonna have a great show, guys. And a ton of people are like, oh. We win by a hail mary again. Hail no, no, just to no. the victors. No, hail let's make-up. just not let's not come down to that. <laughs> you know what? I think the funniest thing about the hail mary discussion is I'm still trying to convince people that hail is not a swear word. Yes, but you have to say it right. I know. <laughs> yeah, you can't. It doesn't matter. Because <laughs> if you don't, then you won't. That's right, gentlemen. You've got a great. Uh, you got a great thing going. Good luck. And just know we're here for you. And then Monday, let's pick up that discussion about paying each player six hundred twenty-two thousand. Cool. Yeah. Grassy. Here's, your, here's yes. your favorite song. Your favorite song from the Oneiders or the Wonders? Yeah, the Oneiders. Thanks, guys. Have a great one. Land of Lincoln. There it is. The Oneiders. You know, it is one-hit wonder day, and it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to have a second hit. It's also World Dream Day, National Comic Book Day, and Hug a Vegetarian Day. So I challenge you, just as we like to do on the show, and it is Friday, so this will be a Friday challenge. You've got all weekend to track yourself down a vegetarian. Try to do so without offending, but I want you to go up and I want you to put a hug on them, a hug to the core. And then when you're Doug hugging, when you're all done, pull them away from you and look them in the eyes and say, that is me celebrating a vegetarian. And then if the police don't show up, you've had a successful day. I saw Ben do it just a minute ago. He put a hug on Kaylee. Is she a vegetarian? Um, I, th- I do believe so. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. Sweet. I don't want to speak. My to weekend is all freed up. There you go. Hug a vegetarian. Um, here's some other news for you that we've got to get to. This is so important. A man steals a lottery ticket dispenser and is arrested for trying to cash it in the same store. Oh, come on! 
I know. And you think you've got it bad. This guy is, uh, I guess, impaired enough out of Slocum, Slocum, Alabama, that uh, he stole the lottery ticket dispenser from a liquor store. And then later that next morning, he attempted to cash in the lottery ticket to the same store. Oh, come on! I know. Deputies arrived at the front door of the store that was busted out and the lottery ticket dispenser was missing. The machine was stocked with lottery tickets valued at $7,500. The Florida Lottery was notified of the incident and the affected tickets were voided. At 9.30 the same morning, so just eight and a half hours later, a man entered the store and attempted to cash in one of the tickets. A store employee called officers who arrived at the store and arrested 40-year-old Richard Morgan for the burglary that took place earlier that morning. (sighs) Come on. He's now been charged with burglary, dealing in uh, stolen property, resisting arrest with violence, and battery on a law enforcement officer. Thank you. Thank you to the officers of Alabama. Now... Uh, another really incredible story, Kansas man steals a combine, and which initiates one of the slowest speed chases in the history of America. What's a combine? A combine is a big uh, machine they use to uh, work in the fields, like oh, to, okay. to, to bale hay, I guess, kind of thing, I guess. It's a big farm equipment thing, huge. Uh, so the cops, this thing went on for hours at a slow speed rate of about 20 miles an hour and they were getting tired so the cops decided to just shoot it and they ended up putting about 18 rounds into the farm implement which was stolen and uh, in the end the, they, they actually shot through an oil filter and bada boom bada bang they pulled him over I mean the guy was eluding officers at 20 miles an hour since 1981, one of the officers says, I've chased a lot of vehicles, but we've never chased a combine. So that's gone down in history. Slowest high-speed chase. Except for, obviously, O.J. Simpson when he was just kind of idling through town. Uh, our hero of the day, we always like to end with a hero. Hero story of the day, Peyton Manning, uh, Indianapolis star staffer Dan- uh, Dana Benbow wrote an open letter to Peyton Manning. Benbow's childhood friend, Carrie Barnett Bolig, has stage four breast cancer and wrote a series of letters to people who have inspired her, including teachers, friends, family, and Peyton Manning. When Manning saw the letter, he had Bolig and her husband come out to the Broncos season opener against the Ravens. This past weekend, Carrie was treated to two days at Mile High Stadium in Denver, where she watched the Bronco players get their team photos taken. She sat on a walkthrough of practices and took a tour of the facility. She was given tickets to the Broncos versus Ravens game Sunday and sideline passes before the game, all left for her by Manning. He walked right over after he got his picture taken. Carrie said, it was so sweet because he shakes my hand and says, I'm Peyton Manning. It was cute. It was kind of like, I know you're Peyton Manning. He spent 15 or so minutes with Carrie and her husband of 12 years, Ed Manning. Uh, or uh, Ed, Manning talked to her, taking her mind off the cancer just for a bit. It was easy and laid back, not at all nerve-wracking, she said. He's welcoming. He's a gentle giant. It was such a personal moment. It was a once-in-a-lifetime thing. So Peyton Manning, you're our hero of the day. And even more importantly, Carrie Barnett Bolig, you are the hero of the day for taking on the battle of cancer. For all of us that are struggling, suffering, let's just try to lift each other's lives a little bit better. And until Monday, look after each other. Make it a great one. We'll talk again Monday.